RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Damien Richardson is a retired Australian film, television and theatre actor. Since 2021, he's been a political campaigner criticising the COVID response and advocating for personal liberty. You know, liberty. Richardson has appeared in a variety of Australian films and television shows, including Blue Healers, McLeod's Daughters, Red Ball, The Hard Word, Rogue, Conspiracy, 365 and Wentworth. Hmm. I recognise the face. I don't know from what show, but... I've seen Damien before. So it goes on, on Neighbours as well. He was in Neighbours from 2014 to 2020, probably mm-hmm. where I saw him. And he later stood, this is a long introduction, but we're almost there, he later stood good. in the 2022 Victorian state election representing the right-wing Freedom Party of Victoria. Damien Richardson, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Paul. Can I start with just a little bit of a reality check, even on that intro or my bio? And it's interesting because I reckon maybe you got that off Wikipedia, which I certainly understand. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. I use that failed tool myself. I think we all do. There's no doubt about it. But it says retired. Now, that is news to me. Now, one could could speculate that I have retired because I have been vocal. Therefore, I have brought about my own early retirement. But I've had people get on that Wikipedia page and take the retired out. To say, well, he's not. Oh, so you know, you know for sure it, it was on that page, right? Well, because I've had this is this is the story. I've had people say to me, "Well, I've gone to your wiki and I've taken out retired because why are you retired?" I said, "I don't yeah. know. Maybe they've just retired me because they realise I've." Well, they haven't told much. you. You have been retired. They just haven't told you. Well, they manipulate that. Yeah. They manipulate which, which kind in- of says it all. That's right. It does say it all, and I haven't. You know, I went for actually went for an audition, which I thought was strange. I did it from home because that's what people do nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, just last week, but you know, you don't you don't uh, uh, expect that you'll necessarily get it. But uh, my agent certainly didn't think I had retired, although she might think, could you just be a little bit quieter? That yeah. might help that career. That. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. But that's yeah, that's the truth of what. So you're not retired. Is. Because well, I, I don't know. Gonna, it's a propaganda war, isn't it? Well, I haven't. Because I, I was going to ask you on the back of that, did you have to retire because you got heat in the business for what you were saying and what you were thinking? Well, they'd that, never do it like that, would they? Okay. They wouldn't do it like that. They just wouldn't tell you because no one's going to put their head on well, the Well, no one has told you. No, <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> Maybe they told Wikipedia. Maybe that's, you know what I mean? You're making a um, comeback and you don't even know it. That's it. Yeah, that's okay. it. Yeah. But no, serious question for, you know, given your profession. Yes. And from what I've seen, I'm not in that part of mm-hmm. the entertainment business, let's say. Yes. But it seems to me that um, uh, a lot of that uh, that business, that sector, um, were kind of down the rabbit hole with believing all of this and promoting the narratives and, you know, virtue signaling in front of the world, like, I'm doing this and you should be doing this too. Mm. Uh, you know, the, all the big guns of the entertainment system mm-hmm. kind of ranged in on one side, mm-hmm. you know, backing the other side. Was, were there problems for you? Well, again, they wouldn't tell you. You create your own problems and you know that you're creating your own no problems. Words. Well, no work, but you know what you're meant to say and what you're not allowed to say. You'd know it too because it would be true of uh, the broadcast industry as much. And I've been well, the in mainstream, the broadcast. mainstream, for sure. Yeah. The mainstream. Well, that's what it is because that's where the money is. So yeah. it's follow the money. But that's funny that you should say that because I often have this anecdote about, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio has all the same values as someone who's working in a cooperative theatre as an actor. 
because they have the same values as Leonardo DiCaprio because they're probably hoping at some stage not to be working in a cooperative theatre and they'd hate to see something come back and haunt them that they might have said while they weren't thinking at that level where no one would really necessarily care. But as soon as they move to a higher level and someone wants to weaponize it and use it against you, so you've got to say the same things about climate, you've got to say the same things about, you know, how wonderful mass immigration is or whatever, you know, you can't make any criticism of anything the regime is because you're the propagandist for the regime. As a mouthpiece, as an artist, you're a regime artist because the regime rewards you handsomely if you accept its premises, whatever that is. They change from day to day, as we both know. And if you make criticism of them, woe betide you. And I found that back like in uh, 2012. I was working with Channel 7 and uh, there was – I think it was around the time of the Gillard misogyny speech and this misogyny, misogyny, misogyny everywhere in Australia. Julia mm. Gillard, obviously the first prime minister, female yep. prime minister of Australia. And uh, there was a woman called Clementine Ford, who's a feminist, who would write for a paper called The Age and uh, just excoriating attacks on men, on masculinity, particularly white men, of course. And I just got to a point where I thought, and that's very celebrated, of course, in the arts community. And I just got to a point where I thought, hang on, I'm going to write a rebuttal to this. So I wrote an articulate uh, essay. It certainly wasn't, uh, you know, uh, just attacking her on a personal and ad hominem level. And um, uh, sure enough, it got back to, uh, you know, my employer at Channel 7 at the time, and it was don't come in to work tomorrow. Now, you would have thought, and I would have maybe thought, although I was starting to waver, I was concerned that I was defending an institution like Channel 7, because isn't that the imperialist institutions that have been established, particularly on this landmass in Australia? You have your own version of that that hackneyed narrative, of course, in New Zealand. But no, they're actually aligned absolutely 100% with what you would have thought was the opposition. So the left gets away with this thing of pretending to throw bricks at Channel 7, but Channel 7 has all the same values, yep. absolutely all the same. That's And we see that other corporations more and more, and we've got this. It's because. a little game they play. It's a I game. Saw, I saw you, um, as part of me finding out about you for our chat, a video of a stand-up you did, and you were talking about uh, the timber industry, uh, among other things. But you mentioned something that really caught my ear. And you, I think you were talking about the relationship or the fusion almost, um, and this is why it rang the bell, of government, local government, and corporate entities, right? Any government. I wouldn't, but, I wouldn't specify necessarily local okay. government, but yeah. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know the specific instance you were talking about there, but okay, any government. And then I, I thought, well, that he's just given me the definition that I keep hearing of fascism. Because yes. it's that unholy, isn't that what? What's his name in Italy? Um, Mussolini. Yeah. That was Mussolini. his thing. You know, yeah. when they fuse together, yep. you've yep. you've kind of there, and and yep. that comment caught caught my ear. Just saying. the corporate state. Yes, and that's the irony because someone, like I said before, I've got this uh, on and again and off again war with uh, the age. I don't know. I don't necessarily think I have, but they got hold of that speech and they said I was the fascist for drawing <laughs> those conclusions. So this is your, your post-reality. There doesn't yeah, need to be any reality. 180 degree all the time, it seems to be about 180 degree from what you feel it should be or, or the truth. Okay, well, so... If you get closer to it, though, Paul, you realise, and what I've done by the process I've been on since, you say, since 2021 when I started speaking out is I got, I've gotten closer to truth. And what truth actually is, is power. And it's yeah. classic. Orwell said it. 
You know, power can convince you not to believe what you see before you, but to be, to believe its theoretical understanding of the world, its ideological understanding of the world. So it tells you two plus two equals five. Yeah. And in the end, you go along with it because you're too frightened to say it's a lie. The emperor has no clothes on and it equals four. Or masks and that's what work. I've seen that's happened. Or masks work. Exactly. Or well, there's no problems with the efficacy, efficacy of the vaccines. Yeah, exactly. People over here are talking now about this sort of silent majority that's sitting there that that's, you know, not happy, feels there's something up, probably have been a little fooled themselves, but just not saying anything. Is that the fear of ridicule, embarrassment? Are people that thin-skinned? I think, think it's a fear of losing your job too because that's power. Okay. That's power. Now, for some reason, Wikipedia have decided to put I've retired. If someone goes in on my behalf and takes that retired out, that retired ends back up on. Is that a bot doing that? Is there someone following to do that? That becomes reality. So I have been made an example of. So if you want to go and do what Damien's done, that's fine. But just remember, someone's going to put retired on your Wikipedia. So is it possible that there's a producer going through, oh, what's that guy that was in Neighbours in 2020? And oh, he's retired. Speaking out again. Oh, he's retired. You know what I mean? So we create that, that difficulty, that problem for you. So you divorce yourself from the ability to earn an income by not going along with their narrative. You specifically do it as someone like an actor or if it's a politician. Uh, someone Doctors. But doctors, people in positions of authority, but someone who's just working in a bank, et cetera, they have a version of this as well. And they've got a HR department ready to lord it over them. And they know it. You don't even need to do it yourself. The problem we've got at the moment in Australia is this misinformation, disinformation bill that the government wants to bring in. We've got so a similar, the, similar Yeah, and I know. Yeah. Gender, Jacinda Ardern, I remember her saying through the pandemic, we will be the arbiter of all truth, basically. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is what this is as well. So what it becomes then is like it's more like, well, self-censorship. You know what not to say. No one has to tell you. Mm. It's not like in actors you sit around in this green room and someone says, by the way, don't say anything about the transgender actor. You know full well not to say anything, but it's it's wonderful. You're very brave for having done what you've done. Oh, wow, I could never do it. You'd rather not talk about it at all because otherwise you might step on a landmine inadvertently and someone might use it against you. So you won't talk about it at all if you can help it. You just... <laughs> nod politely and smile and say the right thing. And that became increasingly difficult as a white male because it's in all the scripts as well because the people writing the scripts are writing it. So there's a guy here called Daniel Andrews who runs our state. Dictator Dan. Dictator Dan. Well, he's as white as me. He's as Anglo-Celtic as what I am. And uh, he's the first one to go on about diversity. But I often found that in situations I'd be in, in acting situations, the guy that was in was always the union representative, more often than not, was a white guy, virtue signalling for any other minority group, virtue signalling for women as well because of this oppression narrative, and he would be the champion of it. And if hopefully you notice he's the champion of these people, you don't notice the colour of his skin. Right. So he's not yeah. the one that's going to be thrown under the bus, hopefully. He'll throw me under the bus instead, especially if I'm saying the things are the wrong things. I make it easy for them to get rid of me institutionally. But it'll come for women too. It doesn't matter. I, I oh, it comes for everyone. Yeah, it comes for everybody, exactly. Eventually, that's why it's sad that yeah. people don't speak up or are not more confident to say their piece because in the end, they're coming for them too, you know? Yes, but what they do now is, you know, uh, you know you're not going to end up in a gulag necessarily like Solzhenitsyn, but they'll take away your means to pay for your lifestyle. So we're all addicted to the prestige that comes from, you know, 
uh, and our material wealth, our material gain. So somewhere along the line, you have to say to yourself, there's something else at stake here. And that's what I was left with. And it was a particular moment in 2021 when I made a first ever speech when I came out publicly at the Shrine of Remembrance, uh, I think it was the 22nd of September, and the Victorian police force were there firing on unarmed protesters. Yeah, I've seen the video of that. Yeah, that with rubber bullets. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I thought, uh, these people didn't have any, they didn't have a voice. They were like a rabble in many respects. And I thought, well, I have the skills to potentially be a voice for those people. But there was another voice in my head saying, what are you doing? Don't do it. This <laughs> is career suicide. You know, this is career suicide. But what was I doing? All I did was spoke up on behalf of a group of people that weren't au fait with what was going on as far as the mandates were concerned at that particular point in time. But I knew it was the wrong thing to do, even though it felt like morally the right thing to do, and I felt compelled to do it. So then you're asking yourself a different question just then, is my life just about my material wealth and my material comfort and what I can provide for my family, et cetera? Although they are still great concerns and they're still great concerns for me today and how to navigate that area is very uh, treacherous and uh, very difficult. Yeah, okay. So is it... Because the Aussie character, our impression of the Aussie character is irreverent, won't take any BS, mate, that sort of stuff, you know. And there's the country side of it and, you know, the whole history of who Australians, where they came from, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. You'd expect that it would be in the nature, well, we would anyway, of the average Australian to, you know, push back big time as, as their initial visceral reaction to any of this. But that hasn't happened. But you've already explained why that hasn't happened. Well, the but- wild colonial boy is dead. Banjo Patterson, oh, did? famous Australian, was a famous Australian uh, bush ballad, the wild yeah. colonial boy, and it describes the guy that you've sort of just described as well. You know, he's rough and ready and ready to go and make the best out of any situation, and probably says no to authority more often than not. Well, he's yeah. certainly dead and buried. Right. Although there is some residual <laughs> holdouts. Holdouts, yeah, exactly. It definitely is. And I think the state knows that as well. The state's well aware of that, and uh, it uh, is only too happy to uh, vilify them because they are a threat to the state, as I said in that speech as well. And that's why an apparatus of the state, which is the age, came after me for making that speech in Taralgon that you've referred to because I identified as a cohort or a collective identity of white Australians and how what might be of interest to white Australians. Well, that's the last thing you can do as far as the regime is concerned. It will let you criticise feminism. It'll even let you criticise the vaccines now. We've moved past that stage. It mightn't like it, but it'll let you do it, and it'll pretend that's opposition. But what it won't let you do is identify a white Anglo-Celtic heritage, if you like, and it having some invested interest in its future. That is anathema to it, and that's when it will come for you. Yeah, and it seems the smart people uh, were the ones that sort of bought in the most. I'm thinking of, you know, the academic class, but that, again, goes back to jobs and positions, right? Um, you well, they are that class. Yeah. They are that class. i got to, you know, and I'm about to do a, a couple of speaking The experts, you know, the experts. Experts, of course, full of data, the experts. How long have they been telling us? We've had that many climate experts here in Australia telling us what's going to happen and there's going to be no water in the dams of Adelaide, you know, by 2015, say, or whatever. Um, Wrong. Proven false every time. The dams are full, but nothing happens. 
there's no recompense to that. Can you imagine if I had have caught COVID and died from it? It would be front page news. Anti-vaxxer refuses to take vaccine, dies from COVID. It would be everywhere. They would be mocking and ridiculing me, even as they pretended maybe to have some grace because you don't speak ill of the dead. Because that, but if someone comes out about climate and says something that's proven false in the fullness of time, Greta Thunberg proven false in the fullness of time. Yeah. But she was Where, a saint. There was a point. Where's when the follow up? A, where's the follow? There up? is none. There is none because the, there's no vested political interest in the regime following up on that narrative because it is the regime's narrative. And again, it's not about truth. It's not meant mm. to be about truth. It's about power and how one maintains power. And that's why I think the police came so hard at us in Victoria, particularly at the Shrine, because the day before that, there had been something like 40,000, 50,000 um, tradespeople on the Westgate Bridge, which is a massive piece of infrastructure in Melbourne, big bridge that goes over the Yarra River. We, we occupied it, and the state lost control of COVID because there we all were mingling all amongst each other. These guys were saying they weren't going to take the vaccine and they weren't interested in it. The the union movement was coming out, throwing their members under the bus, calling them uh yeah, What happened to unions? The, but they're gone. They're all part of it. You talked about academia before as well. It's, it's but part you're of the system. you're paying Jews into these It's part of the organisations. Yeah. You're funding them. They all seem to have pretty good lifestyles. Yeah. The the the, the management, yeah, that's just nowhere near anywhere for you in any sort of situation that counts, it seems. Well, Sharon Burrow was in Australia. She was lauded again as being the first, uh, you know, female leader of the ACTU, the Australian uh, Trade Unions. Um, and uh, now she works for uh, United Nations. She works for a non-government organisation, mm, an entity. Okay. She's moved on from that to something else. She didn't get that because she resisted whatever the regime wanted her to say. No, she did the right thing. So she did the right thing. The that's what they're all doing. Mm. Keeps moving for her. Exactly right. Okay, and it continues to be the same now. It's there's no difference. Yeah, um, and also to to uh, for the police to have that sort of confrontational smash them um, a way of dealing with it at that location with what all that means and That's all huge. those people who pay yeah. with their freaking lives yeah to stop that happening. Well, all of it. The, incredible. The, the symbolism is incredible in the whole thing because the first day was the day, there was three days really, and it was people lead, meeting out the front of the ACTU. And that's when the ACTU president came out and did say that, that she's not going to deal with these fascists. Nah, she literally called us Nazis. You would have yeah. thought it was 1942. It was just, what? I just thought, what? What? what is this? And then the next day we occupied the Westgate Bridge now, that's really symbolic too because so many of those workers died in the building of that bridge because that bridge collapsed in the 70s when they were building that bridge. There was okay, like a significant right. number of deaths of people, of trade unionists, you know, tradies. And then the next day, so that symbolism is everywhere. The next day is at the shrine. Now, yep. there was no intention to necessarily go to the shrine. The police had been firing on people earlier in Swanston Street, which is like one of the main thoroughfares in Melbourne City, and people didn't know what to do. They'd scattered and they'd regrouped again, and there's this very uneasy uh, uh, truce, if you like, between the protesters or the rallyers and the police, 
and we were just walking down Swanston Street, which inadvertently leads to the shrine. We could have kept walking to St Kilda. <laughs> that would have killed me because I <laughs> physically probably wasn't capable long, of walking the eight or nine k's. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So oh, that's nothing. You could that's do that. right. So we had a redoubt, if you like, to use the military term. There was a redoubt at the shrine. So we just we went yep. and stood there, you know, and, the, and we'd stood there for a long time. The police stood off with us for a long time. I ended up being negotiating with the. Uh, the chief of police at that particular time. Okay, so there. what was that experience like? Greg, it was interesting. His name was Greg Hinton. I remember his name. Even still, he probably hates me saying it. G'day, Greg. How are you? I saw him again at another rally, actually, and he said, oh, not you again. And I said, oh, Greg, no, please not. And he said, actually, mate, I will say, you were very um, you were very cordial that day and you handled yourself very well, and I, I appreciate that. Well, that's um, nice, but but. Well, exactly. What do you do? You know, well, he shook my hand that day too. And then I think he regretted it because like, you just shook my hand, mate. But he had his mask on too, but it was half masked. Do you know what I mean? It was underneath his chin. (laughs) So I'm like, what? You're the, you're, you're the boss here. Disciplinary action for that. Well, what's, what's, and they said we could leave the shrine in dribs and drabs, but we couldn't go the way we came up the, the main um, promenade. And he said, oh, that's because we've got some police vehicles there now and some horses. And I said, well, can you move them? I said, because the people will go. But they've basically said to me they want to go the way they came with their dignity intact. Yeah. And we'll go as a group. We didn't want to be divided because that's when the police were picking people off. There have been some reports already in some news services that p- p- the police were, uh, uh, you know, once you went into smaller groups, it became obviously much easier for the police to to manage. But th- they refused to do that. So it was a real standoff. They refused to budge. And in the end, we refused to to as well. And uh, I actually got arrested. I mean, it was perverse. Oh. There I, was, I was nearly 50 years old. I was pushed down onto the ground. I had knees placed in my back. I was cuffed. And then I was uh, arraigned, cuffed. cuffed, arraigned underneath a, a gum tree, classic Australian style. Yeah. We were, it was a whole stack yeah. of us. And then the copper goes, he did what you did. He goes, I've seen you before, mate, haven't I? I've seen you. Where have I seen you before? Right? He does starts doing that thing to me. And I go, oh, no, yeah. here we go. Here we go. And we, he won't let it go, you know, because people are like, you know, did I go to school? Well, how about taking the handcuffs off? Did you work in the back? He, well, in the end, he was really nice to me. Like, it was really funny. He goes, he goes, oh, you've been on TV, haven't you? And he goes, oh, what's it like, you know, working with Guy Pearce or what are you? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, they start doing that thing. Hang on a minute. This, and you knew he didn't have his heart in it. Yeah. He, he was basically saying to me, mate, this is my job. I've got. And he's like, take the, get him off, get him off quick. He's like really quick to get him off me because he wanted me to, are you comfortable? Here's a seat there. Do you want a water? Do you oh, need a water? Nice. Okay. So he gives me a water and then he, he gives me a fine. I've still got it in a drawer here. Um, and, but it's significantly less than anybody else's. Oh, so, so he gave this, you the lowest possible, did he? But I didn't know that at the time, right? He just gave yeah. me this fine. It was still like $1,627.32. Do you know what I mean? Something yeah. perverse. You did you ever worked. pay it? No, it's still sitting in a drawer here. As a, How long as has it been? Now. Well, since 2021, since the okay, 22nd. Okay, so they're not chasing them up, right? Oh, they might be. I don't know. I'll, <laughs> you'll find you hear, a, you hear a knock you on the door. A somewhere, you'll, you'll find that one out. <laughs> but the funny part was, so he let, I didn't know that at the time. Because I still look at that and think, oh my God, that's obscene. Anyway, I go and there's a whole stack of us we meet. We've walked away. We've been arrested. We've walked away and we're just waiting for each other to be, you know, processed. And we're sitting around chatting and people are pulling out their fines and everyone's got a fine for like five, it was something like $5,400. they are printing money. Well, this is right, but their mind's like significantly less. They've got theirs for 5000 oh, They've found, all got the same fine. You don't say anything about that in their prison. And I've got, I was embarrassed. It was like, because I'm an actor, basically. You quietly put your, fine, your, yeah. your piece of paper back in your pocket. He did say to me too, he said, you'll, you'll probably contest this, won't you? I thought, 
he was like verbaling me, like sort of giving me a hint. I, yeah, why don't I you wonder, do if, yeah. I wonder yeah. if he's actually made it a different figure because then it won't add up, and they'll go, "Hang on, this is not even the man to oh throw it." Oh, out. you get off on that, and he can just Maybe. say, "Look, it was a mistake," and I don't know, and everyone forgets about it, and you never but, know. Might be a way know. of fighting back. But the left hand never knows what the right hand's doing with. Uh, that's why it's hard to know if it's conspiracy or it's just bureaucratic bumbling because with the whole thing, the whole narrative. Because yep. I did receive, they revoked that fine in the mail. They revoked it, and the next day, they sent me the same fine for the oh. same amount of money, okay. saying this is left the new and the right fine. hands all over the show. Exactly, exactly. Yep. So, Paul, I don't know. Okay, so what was it like then, um, sort of seeking public? office because you stood for the victorian state or in the 2022 victorian state election according to what i have here well you know what that's fine they like that they like to use that one because i was i was running for a friend of mine you know a colleague i mean we're not close but we know each other morgan jonas who'd started that party and they asked me to run in the north this is the freedom party of Victoria. the freedom party now but they like to say that's the right wing party yeah they do they like to say, and this is which I love, this is the perversity of this situation. They like to say, basically, it's neo-fascist sort of party. Yeah. Um, Nazis. Like far right. Morgan is half Jewish. Yeah, that doesn't seem that to matter. doesn't matter. What I did do, I ran as an independent for the federal election before that. And mm. uh, I ran as an independent. Uh, and that's where they noticed me because... I was, you know, quite a capable speaker in that scenario, I guess. And so people noticed, oh, this could be a good guy to have, you know, yep. affiliate with our party. Comes across well. But what I did was I really ran hard at the federal campaign. By the time I ran later that year in 2022, uh, yeah, last year for the state campaign, I was working, I'd gone back to doing some work in construction so I could pay for, you know, trying to make some coin back after not being able to work because of the mandates for for two years, basically. So you weren't allowed in on sets, or no? It's only recently that they say. But my agent will stay, still say things to me like, "I've got this audition for you. Hang on, just see because it might be worth it. I've just got to check on their mandate policy." We're still at that point where we don't know. That's incredible, isn't it? That some yeah, it is areas are holding out. Why them? This is it, and that's this buck passing game, you know. Uh, this uh, private public partnership thing, which is such a dangerous word, because this is it's the like fascist the, kind of was thing. the yeah the government working with corporations, and yeah. so the government says, well, it's not us, we're not doing it. it's whatever that production company they're choosing to put the mandates on. Yeah, but and of course, the production the, company are saying, the, well, we're doing it because the government. You know. But in the end, surely the the company, because the government is the one with the power, those companies, if there's any accountability, um, are going to be the ones. They've kind of put themselves in a position, haven't they? Who? The corporations? Yeah, well, yeah, the company's corporations. But no because one finds the government will it. say, oh, no, it was their choice. Well, if it could be seen to be, you know, breaking fundamental rights, it would be then the responsibility of, of the employer, wouldn't it? Well, it the, does break fundamental rights. It breaks the Nuremberg Code. It's, of course. It's, there's a specific instance in our uh, constitution, which is amended after Nuremberg in 1946, that actually stipulates you cannot be coerced into taking a medication. There can be no civil conscription, no civil conscription. It's in our constitution, not from the start, from an amendment because of whatever's happened leading yeah. up to 1945. Yeah. It doesn't it mean so anything. That, yeah, so it doesn't matter if the corporations aren't putting themselves in any trouble or any danger because no one's going to find against them. I was talking to a guy for this podcast I'm doing, DamienRichardson.online, a guy called Alan Dana, who was a flight captain for uh, Jetstar, 
And um, he's been through the court system. There's now pilots, there's instances, as he's telling me, on, I, that there's instances of pilots having myocarditis, having heart attacks while they're flying or yeah, heart I've attacks on the that. ground, et cetera. Mm. But CASA, which is the Australian governing authority, is not finding against anybody. Because it can't, because it's part of the regime. This is what I go back to before. Yeah, but what happens you when you need to know your lines? <laughs> what happens? What do they think will happen if you know you're fully loaded Airbus with three hundred people on board, you know, crashes a hundred feet from landing at Sydney because the captain just had a heart attack, fell on the controls, and there was no time to do anything. I mean, how do you Well you manage you manage the media cycle, don't you? I suppose, and you say, "Well, if that, there's an instance of that, there's always something terrible that happens in the world." Well, if you're a <laughs> relative of the passenger of all, you know, be multiple passengers, you'd be saying, "Well, ha- ha- hang on here, you can't, uh, you can't just duck I've away t- like that." I, well, I've talked to two mothers specifically about their daughters in this instance, two daughters that died as a direct result of taking. The mRNA jabs. Two daughters of the same mother. No, no, no. Two different mothers. Oh, okay, right. And so. you, they're not getting any Bill. restitution. They're not getting any restitution. Maybe $7,000 for burial costs or something like that. Some slap in the face, some insult. So there's no, the regime can't afford restitution. Well, not now, to give but at some point is what I'm thinking. Some well, point. maybe. Well, that's why we're talking, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Paul, is that we're keeping that, you know, and that's, you know, the, keeping uh, the light on it. Psychologist Matthias Desmet, the psychologist, the Danish psychologist, talks about the importance of people to keep calling it out, to keep talking yeah. it out, because otherwise there's no one, nowhere for anyone to go. But this is the difficulty because I have a lot of people saying to me, Good on you, mate. Oh, I love that. I heard that speech. I love what you're saying. I love what you're doing. Keep going, keep going. But the difficulty becomes in keeping going because you divorce yourself from the means of earning a living. Yeah, well, keep funding me if you want to keep me going. This is it. This is it. And how do you convince, I don't know what New Zealanders are like, but Australians sort of have been, you know, lulled into a false sense of security with the uh, the award or you go on the dole for a while. Or like, it doesn't have that entrepreneurial spirit, say, like the US does, where yeah. they might think, well, hang on, this guy's giving value you for pick money. Yourself it's outs- up. Yeah, it's yeah. outside of an organized system, but he, what he's doing is good and it's actually, it actually does have a financial value to it. I'm happy to, you know, to uh, chip in and give some- Well, look uh, what happened in Canada when, when that happened. The f- funds were frozen, bank accounts were frozen. Not saying it would happen in Australia, but that's how- Well, that's uh, right. I think people go to when things are at a diabolical state, like they were, say, in Victoria around the mandates, people were much more ready ready then to recognize that they might need to give you a bit of cash. Whereas now it's like, well, what's I still want to hear this voice, but there's no, you know, pressing need so they don't feel the need to. Support that. We just want to move on, mate. We just want to move on. What is that? There is that. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you um, talk with people, give those speeches, and um, I guess, you know, the the engagement that you have with the folks out there through podcasts and, and the way you communicate message, is there, and I'm kind of getting sick of asking this question. Mm-hmm. You feel like I'm always going on about this, but we've got to keep it going. Is, is there any waking up the control, the the tyranny, the authoritarianism, the censorship, the controlling of information, the promoting mm. of narratives mm. and cancelling of others, mm. you know, being very personally nasty, the system to mm. anyone that that won't play ball, you know, and yeah. and we've seen where that's gone mm. in history. Mm. So what you would hope is that 
actually that's not working and that you know people like yourself and maybe what we're doing somehow it sort of gets through what they call that streisand effect or the, mm. something like that and and it starts to sort of kind of tilt the playing field back the way it should be that's really what i'm curious mm. to well, ask it's interesting. You sense that it's interesting because i and that's the thing and they talk of this 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 whole movement called this sort of amorphous movement called the freedom movement yeah and that's a very polite way that's a nice term and i i can identify it's with a bit hippie okay it is a bit hippie it's a little bit hippie for me too to be honest and now whilst it was against the mandates and the vaccines it was very easy for everyone to collectivize around that same idea it was a very safe island for everyone to stay on we're against the vaccines we can all have different opinions on everything else but once you take that away that you know, safety blanket away, then what are yep. you left with? And you have to ask yourself, well, what's really going on he- here? And for me, it's the demise of the nation state. Right. It's the, it's the attack well, on I the nation state. I probably would have included that in my list as well as if I could have plucked it out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's, that's what I would the attack we're on. seeing on, yeah. on multiple nation states. That's yes. kind of what's happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what and does so that mean? Couple, well, this is it. This is interesting. So you have to keep this investigation going. And do I have all the answers? No, but there's something really important about that foundational document, which is the Australian Constitution. And the more I look into it too, the more I realise people like Gough Whitlam had a real problem with the Constitution because he realised how beautiful its protections actually were for the Australian people. And he wanted a different concept of Australia, a broader, more cosmopolitan concept of Australia than that smaller concept that it would have been once upon a time. And I'm sure New Zealand, New Zealand has a very similar trajectory because we have such you know common histories in many respects and now i can see how important that document is now maybe that a document needs some amendments you can see like they have those amendments in the us suddenly i can have conversations with australians that i could have never had before about the um second amendment like once upon a time that would have just been absolutely anathema people that hated john howard because a lot of people i talked to obviously lefty type people particularly them because i was involved in the arts industry but they would have said oh no it was good he took the guns away it was good he took the guns away that that's oh you don't want to be getting into guns i don't like howard but i'll give him that do you know what i mean that still would have never voted for him and now there's a conversation you can realize well hang on what did that do we just disarmed the people we had the same thing after the mosque massacre here right Four or five years ago. Brenton Tarrant, the Australian guy. Yeah, yeah thank that's you. right. Yes. Thank yeah, you, fam. Yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> I had Naomi <laughs> Wolf. No, I know. I had Naomi Wolf name dropping here on this program a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And she said, because I asked her, have you got any advice for you know New Zealanders? And she said, Don't lose your guns. Too late. Did that you was her. I said yeah. it's too late. It's happened. Um, you know, the buybacks <laughs> happened and a quarter of a million minimum came out of the system, but not the criminals. Well, Naomi Wolf's a really interesting case, isn't it? She wrote The Beauty Myth. I remember that when I was getting yeah. around university, you know what I mean? She sort of celebrated feminist. Uh, and she even voted for the Biden regime. So she's had a, a, a reckoning come much more lately. Oh, really? Is there very a political. Quickly, very fast. Well, that's right. Yeah. And that she's gotten to a point where she's arguing for the Second Amendment rights. Yes. She would, I bet you she wasn't arguing that in 2019. <laughs> no. I bet you she's arguing the opposite of that, as a matter of yeah. fact. And she said that, like, don't lose your guns. Like, yeah. I'm telling you, you know, yeah. The way yeah, yeah. So there's patriots in the United States in particular, which are dangerous, and that's why they use people like Brenton Tarrant. The state will use Brenton Tarrant. They will make him a patriot because they will create a narrative where they'll say, "Well, this is what pat- this look at this. This is what this is what these people want to do." So they'll try and cast me in his 
you know, so that would be mad uh, extreme right winger. Yes. But if you look at his manifesto, which before they took it offline, I yeah. was awake that morning when that was going on. So I was watching some of that stuff actually occur. And then his manifesto was still online. And part of his manifesto was he's actually a green ecologist. He actually thought what China did, the Chinese system was a good system because it just controlled. It had real control. And therefore you could uh, bring about, you know, uh, restitution for the environment. He's like a environmentalist so would you say he's a patriot really but they won't let that part of the narrative get out there like julian assange is a classic example of that you know there's a some people that really pro getting that guy out of and they see a sense of injustice there but the the narrative is very simple to manipulate that he's an enemy of the state he put uh, the uh, US alliance at risk by revealing sensitive documents and sensitive information. And so how do you fight against that? Because it's everywhere. And then there's just a few online people sort of saying, no, that's not true, that's not true. And so you get a small collective that will agree with you. But it's very difficult to fight against the narrative. And that I, I think it's becoming extremely difficult for them, though, because of podcasts like what we're doing now. Yeah. And that's why in Australia we're confronted with the misinformation, disinformation. And same. They want to yeah. control yeah. this bit, but now where yeah. it wasn't controlled at all before. And there's no misinformation, disinformation coming from government. That's okay. So <laughs> COVID would have been fine. The vaccines are safe. And you just, you just have to accept that. And there's no misinformation, disinformation coming from the mainstream media either. So they're going to scratch the backs of the, their voices in the in the corporate media so what are you going to do well it's really the people against the corporations isn't it it's extraordinary it yeah, really well, is the people against the corporation well that could that could go that could that has a, a i don't know how much potential but that could get ugly well it could it? people people talk about the potential for civil war i talked to an indigenous woman yesterday um cindy roberts who uh it's so interesting. It's a fantastic, fascinating time to be alive, isn't it? When she was just saying she believes there's a real potential for civil war, and particularly in America, and I said, well, that's no surprise to hear you yeah. say that. It was interesting hearing an Aboriginal woman say that to me, and she was a woman that's against this voice that we've got this debate in Australia at the moment, having a voice, do you know what I mean? And she wants to stay outside of any recognition. She doesn't even want to be in, in the Australian Constitution. She wants her people to maintain autonomy outside of it as yeah. who they are, as Aboriginal people, and sometimes I can be sceptical about that stuff because my heritage can make me sceptical of it, and I understand that. And we had a really good discussion, a really interesting exchange, and it's interesting because she made some really good points, some really, she made some real sense out of they need to bring their sovereignty into constitutional recognition because that actually then gives the corporations control over them. That actually gives them control over this group of people. Otherwise, they mightn't have control. Yeah, because they're over. not controlled otherwise. They're well, like they're not. Spirits it's in that it's, sense. And they do live differently. Even talking to you, you can hear it. Even that slightly louder way to say, you know, because and it's like you can see, well, that's because your culture was on a on a landscape. You were dealing against the elements. You were yeah, thousands so you had to and thousands. project. All that. Now, these are things you're not allowed to say because if you say move into end of this territory, you're already on unsafe ground. And God forbid you might say the wrong thing because you're a human and you actually might get something wrong. But what they're trying to stop us from even being able to have that conversation at all. And what I liked about talking to Cindy was we had a really, we had an interesting conversation. Did I say everything I wanted to say to defend my perception? No. But what is interesting is she's allowed to talk about it as her mob. Now, her mob 
is distinct from that other group. Like there's people like Noel Pearson and others that want this voice and it's so important to them. They're a part of the Indigenous mob, but they're different from this other mob. But she's talking about her group and that's fine. And it's easy for her to do because it's a normal thing to do. I talk about my group and I'm vilified. It's interesting, though. I hadn't thought of of that, but it kind of makes sense that you want this faux sort of recognition, um, justice for the Indigenous people, etc., not because you feel that they deserve it or need it or it's going to heal something, but because at the moment they're not in the system to control. Yeah, yeah. And I was always told, especially from kids. So, so why would you want those people? Why would you want to control that? Do they have access to things that can't be accessed right now? without controlling them well land and things like that and a bio spirit they have a bio spirit which is their spirit their spirit over sixty-five thousand years you can't deny that how do you deny it you can try and deny it but the problem what they create the problem by doing this race politics they make everyone aware of it so they enlighten your own awareness to well hang on my people have a bio spirit too. Yeah, that well, was the spirit that no, brought us here. I'm sorry, us the... whiteies don't understand that sort of thing. No, we're not allowed. It, it, well, that's what it, we're taught. Yeah, and now she's railing that. against that because she can see how that's been used against. Well, the that's position. interesting because that's used here too. Well, there no. must be a connection to land that they have forged over thousands and thousands of years that my people don't have to that land. I don't doubt that for a but second. But that's okay, and that's okay, absolutely, and that's just an acknowledgement of fact. But then. There's an acknowledgement of fact of what my people brought to to uh, turn that land, in my case, into Australia. Because well, it was always pre- going to happen. It was always well, someone was always going to turn up. Well, I said that to Cindy, and she seemed to think no, which I quite liked her in a way because she didn't cuck to that concept as an Aboriginal. She said, "No, why did it have to happen?" You know, well, well no, the, it has happened. Humans but are ha- curious. They want to go and find things. You know, it's just part of the nature. Well, especially Western Europeans. Yeah. And they had the technology at the time. They could sail across the globe. They could do things. Well, it's particularly true to our bio spirit of who we are. Yeah. Everyone has to be accommodated. Yeah. Okay. But you're not allowed to talk about that. Again, I'd say you would would be allowed to notice that the NBA is full of African-American basketballers out of all proportion to their percentage in the population. You say, because they're just great at it. They're great. That's what they, you know, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. But there's certain groups you're not allowed to identify with being good at something. And it's certainly as a white guy is talking about, you know, colonialism would be the worst thing you could do as a girl. But it's that spirit of exploration that uh, that is in who, that Promethean spirit, they would call it. It looks like that uh, voice um, uh, referendum is going to be a no. Uh, and John okay. Farnham, I see, is is given them you're the voice, though it's not just mm-hmm. him. There are composers and license holders and everything. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I wonder if he had any say. Farnham, well, yeah. too, he's just going. You know, he's singing for his supper to some extent. Now you'd think he was on that many tours and he'd done so well out of that Whispering Jack album, which we're talking yeah. about, particularly where the voice came off of, that yeah. he'd probably have enough money in the bank. But at the same time, you're shilling for your supper. As a, as a performing artist, and the the state suddenly comes along and says, "Here's a really big check." Okay, can, would you do that? Can we use the? Can we? Use if you had a song, if you had a song, they came with a big check. You probably name your own price at that level pretty well because they so want it to happen. Would you go with the money, or would you be principled? Well, this is what happened to me. I got to a point where I had to be principled. Now I can just the moment it happened before. 
before the shrine. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was yeah. on the shrine in the first place. But there's a yeah. moment where I say I crossed the Rubicon, and so I, you won't do you. You, you, had, well, what could I do now? All I can hope for now, because my musical ability is absolutely shocking, um, is <laughs> that the state would pay me to shut up. You know, look, mate. Is it, is it <laughs> if you shut up, <laughs> and I'll take, 20, I'll take twenty. I'll take twenty thousand dollars right now. Yeah, That'd be yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah. You get a daily yeah. rate for shutting up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what do you think is going to happen next? Then, like one or two, three years ahead. Um, where do you think you'll be? And obviously, you know, foot to the floor and all that. You're not turning around and going back the other way. You, you, this is your trajectory, your course now, right? This is you've sort of signed up for this. I guess. I guess. I don't. Yeah. I mean, you never say never because you don't know what's going to happen. If someone had have asked me, you know, like I say, even 2012, when I'd already found myself in some. Uh, uh, disconnect, if you like, with the narrative. I, I wouldn't have. And someone said, "Well, you says, you'll be talking to Paul Brennan, and you know, <laughs> yeah. on a radio program, <laughs> Reality Check Radio, uh, about this trajectory in ten years' time." I would have said, "Oh, really?" Yeah. So who knows? I, I wouldn't. I can't say for sure. But I, it's making us all ask the question, isn't it? Or not? Or not? You can go deeper into denial, but it's certainly. I know people that took the vaccine, many, many, many of them, friends, and they said there was, that was extraordinary. What was that? What was yeah. that? And what was it about? You you didn't, I take it. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Neither did I, just so we're, no. we don't. Yeah, and that's it. And I don't mind because they say, oh, well, that's my medical, you know what I mean? That's a privacy, you know, whatever. And that doesn't bother me to talk about it. But, yeah, no, I didn't. Well, there was a time where I was a bit iffy about you know, if someone asked me, I'd be honest about it, but yeah. I, I probably wouldn't have brought it up there for a while. And I'm the only one in my family. Only right. one. And how's how did that go? With... How did it go for you? Tense. Still, Still? tense. Still tense. A bit, yeah. 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 Because you're left with a residual um, of them thinking that you're sort of slightly nuts as well. Yeah. Because you know, that's that you're, done... you're prone to disinformation and uh, and yeah. you know conspiracy theories and all of yeah. that. They, that one's mm -hmm. a hard one for people to shake. It's all very difficult. It's very difficult for both because you have to rationalise your own position. So we have to rationalise our position. We believe it's truth, so that's fine. But they do too. They go, well, we've rationalised our position, and you guys are nuts. You guys are crazy. What are you talking about? Well, now they're having to explain other things that are difficult. Well, they are, and I and I say this to people I talk to because I often talk to people, and I like to broaden my podcast not just around the vaccine, but it's still a very big issue, of course. And um, I ask, I say to people, you know, what's happened in their private life, say, and there's uh, almost everyone has got a position where they've been, like you have, like you've just said yourself, you know, they're in a position where uh, there's people not talking to them anymore. Um, and that's okay. It's sad, but it's okay. It is what it is, right? And you sort of get to the to that point. But you you're going to keep on talking, right? Uh, yeah. Well, maybe. Or uh, I'm going to go and do this uh, um, event in Adelaide uh, next week, and uh, if it seems sustainable, because the thing is, this has to become sustainable. Yeah. Because. As I've said, I've been harping on about it, but you divorce yourself from the ability to earn income. 
and the media vilifies you specific because what have I really said in this podcast that's so outrageous or so outlandish or so dangerous? I haven't really said anything. But you get vilified. The media make up who you are, and you were talking about that before with different people. Um, Who are they really? But you found out who they are through the We all do it. Mm. We all do it because that's our access to them. And I don't know Julian Assange. I've never met him. But I have an idea of who I think he is because of my engagement with him with media, which is not the mainstream media, of course. It's outside of that. Yeah. But what I find really interesting as a person in his mid-50s too is like I saw the Julian Assange film. I had never really investigated Julian Assange because I had my own reservations about it because he always seemed to be a pin-up boy of the left. Yeah. And I just thought, I'm not going there because I don't want to hear the rest of it. There may be some injustice served to this man. I understand that, but I just don't want to hear everything else that's going to come with that, so I'm not going to. And then I was invited to see his film, Icarus. I haven't seen it. It's a documentary about him. And I went, wow, okay, this is interesting. And his dad was there talking, John Shipton. But his dad didn't really have much to do with him when he was a young man. And I was really interested in John Shipton's journey to reconcile that he probably wasn't with his son when you would expect a father would need to be his son. I don't want to talk to those circumstances because I don't even know what those circumstances are. And that, to me, was never explicitly stated in the film, but that's what I walked away with. And I think that's a lot of that in my life too, is for me to accept my cultural heritage where I came from, because the time I got to university in 1986, I was already being told to hate my people, to hate what they had done. And I was being told that if I looked back, everyone was white in my existence. And why was that? There's something implicitly wrong with that, that yeah. it should be. And I bought all of that. I yeah. bought all of that. And my family oh, of origin were really working class people. They were really proud of the fact that I was the first person from my family to go to university. They yeah. were paying for it. They were funding funding it. And I would come home almost with a superiority complex to them. Who were these people? <laughs> yeah. So you know, it was, like, I, I was being taught that. The so brainwashing some, was already the kicking brain, in. That's right. And I got to a point too where I thought I can't. And now what I'm being asked to do, if I participate in the cultural space at a mainstream level and get paid for it, is to throw my forebears under the bus because that's what the cultural narrative now is. That's what I am being asked to do. And I am simply not prepared to do that. And that's why I found myself working in construction late last year. For nine months last year, I worked in construction because I didn't have to necessarily do it there. I just had to dig a hole or a trench. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm too old right. for doing that. But to, to participate in the cultural space, make no mistake, that's what you have to do. It's implicit to the regime and the narrative that the regime is now running. Well. All right, Damien Richardson, thanks for coming on and uh, all the best and maybe we'll talk again. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Cheers, mate. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.